Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. And perhaps the day not quite as good as the last couple of Sundays when we've gotten together, Keith. Close, fought to the end, not good enough to overcome some of the mistakes that were made. And at the end of the day, 24-21, Florida gets the win. Too many penalties. A couple of busted uh, assignments is not the right word, but bad angles and poor tackling. And, uh, you know, you've got to play a very good game regardless of schedules to go into uh, Gainesville and get a win. And FSU comes up three points short. Sixth sixth game, I think, by my count, three points or less. Oh, I'll say yes to that. I think that's what you were touting coming in. I know it was, in my mind, people keep asking, I mentioned this last week, how do you think the game's going to go? And my answer is, I think the game's going to go that you'll be worried in the fourth quarter because we're not going to know the outcome. And now this one was a little different because Florida State had more of a mountain to climb, but nevertheless, got it down to an onside kick, which turned into an onside whiff. And as much as we could uh, discuss that, that wasn't really the issue with the football game. No, no. As you and I've come to understand, no single individual play determines the outcome of a ball game. You just you pay attention to those that occur at the end of the ball game or in critical situations. Um, but, um, you know, that, that one was a little puzzling. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, during my playing days, we would always be envious of the kickers. Uh, Capice and Capellan uh, were our place kickers, and Ron Stark was our punter. And it looked like they were just playing games, you know, all during practice when we were doing the real work. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you expect them to execute, and that one was uh, that was not uh, not very pretty. Uh, I, by replay, it did appear obviously that he uh, grazed the ball, uh, but I don't think that's the way uh, Papushis and the rest of them drew it up, and that's a shame. No, I don't think so. And I mean, we can continue there. We can tell the special teams has been a, a challenge this year, and I do think that the biggest play in the game. I mean, we can point to a lot. The biggest play in the game was the muff punt, in my opinion. Although Florida State did get it back to to 24-21, there was interesting happenings with the officiating uh, once again, which I'll dive into a little bit later on. But I guess let's go back and start at the top, actually, Keith. Florida won the toss, and normally teams defer, but they just said, no, we're going to put you on defense. And this this is it reared its head over the course of the season. Florida State got caught with a lack of eye discipline, and Jamie Robinson, who wound up having a really good football game, got beat for the first touchdown. And so FSU was playing from behind the entire game. And unfortunately, that has been in the losses. That has been what uh, has been Florida State's biggest Achilles. They've always been playing catch up. Uh, we've seen some games when they've gotten out very fast in the first quarter and even the first half. And those were games that uh, they ended up being victorious in. But you're right, particularly when you're on the road and particularly when you're against a rival, you don't want to get behind early. And that's exactly what Florida State did. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I had heard during the week that Emory Jones was injured and what wouldn't be playing. And he comes out and, and basically had a very poor game from the standpoint of turning the ball over. 
and Richardson hadn't played in who knows how long and had just been cleared to come back, and he ends up being the workhorse for the Gators at the quarterback position. There was reports, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, that said Emory Jones had torn his ACL in practice. Correct. Now, this was when I say reports. It was on Twitter. I don't know that it was a credible source. Then it got reduced to he rolled his ankle on Monday and missed a couple days of practice. Uh, that's plausible. He didn't have seem to have that ankle taped up any further, but he did look like a guy that maybe had missed a couple days of practice. Bottom line, I, I agree with your point. Now, Anthony Richardson came in on the first series, scrambled for a first down and limped off, and we didn't see him until the second half. I wasn't sure he'd come back in the game. When he was in there in the third quarter in particular is when the defense got worn down. So Florida was, well, really all game, Florida stayed ahead of the uh, chains. Uh, the couple times they got Richardson to a third and 10, third and 11 when he had to pass, he didn't look very skilled in that arena. But when it was third and two, third and three, Florida just, uh, any team, if, if you've got, if you're, if you're setting up consistently third and three, you're going to keep moving the chains. And Florida did that to FSU. They did. And, uh, of course, you know, Florida State had their own quarterback carousel there early on when, when um, Travis uh, hurt that shoulder. And then um, McKenzie comes in and, and, you know, he hadn't played in three or four weeks. It showed. They even went to Tate, you know, to see if they could get a little different spark, uh, you know, waiting for Travis to return. But I will say this. Uh, he, Travis put in a very gutty performance. Uh, you're not going to fault FSU's loss on the quarterback position. And I'm not looking at the possession chart right now, Keith, but there's the possession he originally went out on, which McKenzie came in. Then there's the next one that Milton took and the next one that Tate took. So two and a half possessions. If Jordan Travis plays those two and a half possessions, you certainly could argue that maybe it's not a three-point difference at the end of the game. I'm not saying Florida State outright wins it, but maybe it never gets to 24-7. Maybe FSU has a lead at half. Certainly, you could play that what if, and, and I think that's very plausible. Um, you know, we've talked all along that uh, uh, Travis is, you know, prone to being nicked up, and, and uh, he does take uh, some hits. And uh, by no means am I questioning his character or his toughness. Uh, he, he just seems to be one of those kids that's prone to having things happen to him, right, wrong, or indifferent. He, he rebounds well from them, comes back well from them. But, uh, you know, that's two, two and a half series, however many snaps it was, that you would have rather had um, him at the quarterback position, not disparaging the other two kids, but they just haven't played as much. I think that's the next step that Jordan needs to take. He, he's learned to get out of bounds on his scrambles. The next thing he needs to do is learning to slide. Even if it's a four-yard gain, just, just go ahead and slide, A, you protect yourself. B, if a defender hits you, you're defenseless, and they're going to throw a 15-yard flag, at least in the ACC they are. Uh, so to <laughs> me, that's that, that's the next thing he needs to do. And you see it a couple times when he's he's six or eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he's kind of dancing around. And when he takes a sack, it's a 10-yard sack. It's not a it's not a five-yard sack, and that right. makes a difference. But we're being picky. I'm looking back at my notes. So that first drive, Keith, Florida's first possession, because they had a couple of false starts, they had two third and longs. I didn't note the yardage, but in my in my mind, that was probably third and seven or eight at least. And they converted on both of them, and right. then they hit the long play. So that was just a harbinger of things to come. Then the next drive, FSU gets the ball at its own 37, uh, is, is what I had noted. And they go three and out. They were sacked on third and five, and that's that's when Travis got hurt. Uh, and, and then that – followed by the worst punt of the year by Mastromano, 
which it, he punted it 45 yards in the air. Unfortunately, the last 35 were over the floor. Out of bounds, bounds yeah. yeah. They were out of bounds. So amazingly, Florida took over at the FSU 45 and went three and out on that drive. Correct. So other than the exchange of field position, that one didn't really hurt FSU. FSU starts at its own 10. This is when Travis comes back in, but ultimately he has to leave the game. He scrambled again, went down on it. That's This is the drive where he leaves the game. Let's see. It was uh, – well, they had, it was second and seven, and he scrambled. I don't recall what he got on it, but uh, the, but then Milton came in, and the, and the punt snap got past him, and it was punt – I mean, the uh, the snap got past him, and it was punt time. So it just kind of – it just kind of went from there. So I guess to, to flip it, I won't go drive by drive. Really, while we were trying to figure out if Travis was coming back, you do have to tip your cap to the defense because they came up with three interceptions and really – after that initial drive, really did a nice job of shutting Florida down. I say shutting them down. Didn't allow them to score. They did allow them to move the ball a little bit. And whether you want to say it was Emory Jones throwing the football or Florida State picking it off, either way it gets recorded as an interception, and the defense did a nice job. They did a nice job of, of turning the ball over. Uh, again, with the exception of the, the long play, uh, there weren't that many gash-type uh, uh, runs or uh, receptions. Uh, I mean, the defense played a, a, a good ball game. You wouldn't say they were a great ball game. They were close to it because of the turnovers. Um, but, again, we saw uh, Adams' group uh, just continue to do the things they needed to do when they did them. Uh, I'm with you. I think the muff punt is probably the turning point in the ball game from the standpoint that, um, um, you know, it, it, it gave momentum to Florida. They tried to give it back with the interceptions, but it gave great momentum to Florida. Uh, and, and, you know, disheartened that Florida State defense because there's nothing worse than, you know, holding an opponent and then having to go right back out there and do it all over again. Let's finish up the first half, and then we'll get into the third quarter, which is really where the game switched and when that muff punt occurred. Um, going back to the defense, the initial drive of the game, Florida goes 75 yards. Then their next three drives, they combine for 33 yards. Correct. So, the, the, and that was when Travis was out and Rodemaker and Mackenzie Milton were playing. So you go into the second quarter, and I don't know, midpoint of the second quarter, Travis comes back in, and Florida State gets its best drive of the first half. And Jordan, of all people, goes ahead and scrambles to get the touchdown to tie it up at seven. And, and somehow it remained that way at half. So two things. Jarvis Brownlee had just left the game maybe two plays before his interception in the end zone. I mean, he came out maybe a few more plays than that, but he came out of the injury tent, put his gloves back on. He couldn't have been back on the field more than two plays when he made the interception in the end zone. And then, and this is really nitpicky, because Florida State took over and had the length of the field to go with like 29 seconds, but they came close to getting in field. They actually got in field goal territory. Had Travis slid two seconds earlier, they had a timeout, could have kicked a field goal at the end of the first half. I don't have the yardage in front of me. Probably would have been a 45-yarder, which you lose a game by three. So that's, again, Jordan had been through a lot in the first half, and I'm not going to really put that on him. But that is an opportunity that if you play that a little bit better, maybe you do get three points out of that somehow. Well, and the other part of it is if you're Travis, you've got to know how many seconds are left on the clock, and you can't scramble in that situation. You've got to throw that ball at the feet of a receiver and save that. Because uh, anytime you scramble, you're going to eat up six seconds. So I, I, I don't even, uh, not to pick hairs with you, but I don't think it would have mattered if he had slid or not. The fact that he came out of the pocket after six seconds, that play was over. But I hear you. It would have been a very long field goal, though. 
regardless, it was 7-7, all things considered, most notably the fact that the starting quarterback missed half the series in the first half. You take it as an FSU fan, and they got the ball coming out in the second half, and that's where things just started to go off the rails, really, because I felt good that they would make some adjustments. They knew they had Jordan back. They knew what they were seeing from Florida defensively. Um, and and they, they started at their own 35 because Florida kicked that opening kickoff of the second half out of bounds, ran a bubble for five yards, and then got a false start on a third and five and couldn't convert third and ten. And, that's, and then that's when Master Mono mishit another punt, which was a line drive that resulted in a good return really didn't flip the field at all. You got a player ejected for targeting, and that's sort of when the stadium got a little alive in Gainesville. Well, and, and that, that ended up with Florida starting that drive on the Florida State 40, which was their best drive position uh, you know, of the ball game. Uh, when you add that punt return and then the targeting, um, and, and they took advantage of it, obviously. Uh, so, you know, it, again, we can nitpick bits and pieces but the bottom line is that's how close florida state is now again it's a five and six you know florida team that's now six and six but that's how close florida state is as they continue to fight this uphill battle of getting back where, where they want to be yeah i think that was my we'll, we'll get back uh into the minutiae but that my biggest takeaway was uh Flo- clearly this year florida state got better i think we all know that keith having watched them they're just not good enough, and it showed up at, at some positions. They, they need somebody that can catch a punt. The offensive line needs some, some better. I, I thought Florida won the line of scrimmage. I didn't think they dominated the line of scrimmage, but I thought they won it on both sides, and that's an area where uh, Florida State, especially in the offensive line, needs to get a little bit better. I mean, Travis is getting hit too much. So you just, you just need a few more better players. The, the margin for error is too slim. Let me ask you this, going back to that drive after the, the line drive punt, Florida starts at FSU's 40. That's the drive where Mike Norvell declined a holding call that would have made it, made it second and 20 at maybe the 34 or 35. Instead, it was third and eight. Florida didn't convert. They did kick a field goal. I didn't have a problem with the call. Uh, with, with two chances, Florida might have moved it back to the exact same position or might have gotten a first down and kept the drive going. So I, I didn't really have a problem with it. But what was your thought in the moment? I didn't like it at the time. Uh, it, you know, again, in the grand scheme of things, you know, those are the edges that Coach Norvell likes to work in, uh, you know, from the standpoint of metrics and, and those types of things. You know, the, the book – would have said you always take a holding penalty. You always take 12 yard or 10 yards of field position. Um, so I don't have that big a consternation over it, but I, I thought it was a little unusual at the time. Well, he, he did force him to a field goal. And I do think that the, the defense was starting to fatigue a little bit. So you're asking them to play another down to get off the field instead of making a play on just the third down. So I, I don't have a big uh, issue with it overall. It made it 10-7 at that point. So the next drive, Florida State, Keith, just queue up the last couple weeks shows. Instead of taking a fair catch, they bring the kickoff out, and there's a holding call, and so they end up starting at their own 10-yard line. Uh, after that, the remaining kickoffs, they did fair catch. Uh, let's see. That was the drive where Ontario Wilson made the great catch and I, I wish he would have made that catch on the punt, but that was an unbelievable catch he made in front on the Florida sideline to get FSU from close to midfield. It, it'll be on the highlight reel, uh, along with the uh, catch that uh, 
can't remember if it was the Auburn or the Alabama receiver made in the end zone, another one-handed job. Uh, we're starting to see that more and more in today's world. How about that? Well, so Florida State drives uh, not the length of the field. It bogs down in the 30s uh, to the 35 or 36, which is no man's land, because it was fourth and 16. It was a little too long to kick a field goal. The long field goal this year for Ryan, I think, is 53 yards. He hit it in that Jacksonville State game. This one would have been a 53-yarder. I didn't have a problem with playing field position there, especially when Mastermano got that downed at the one-yard line or the two-yard line, wherever it was. Keith, you're a defensive guy. I'm assuming you like that decision there as well. Yes, yes. And the defense comes in and it's immediate three and out. I mean, they did exactly what they needed to do. And then Florida's punter, who's not been a great punter, hits the punt of his life, I'm going to assume. I don't know that for a fact, but watching it, it just explodes off his foot. Now, I was in the end zone where he punted from, Keith. So you'll have to explain, did, did he truly lose it in the sun? Should he have just let it go? What happened on that? attempt he, he uh, they showed a couple of angles uh on the television uh play that that yeah it it was up in the sun uh but one of the things that you do is when you're when you're returning punts and you have to run and try to catch the ball over your shoulder unlike other times when you need to run up and make the catch and not let the ball hit the ground that's one where if there's any doubt in your mind that you can get to it or you can see it, you just let it go. And you give that to the def- to the punter. He gets you on that one. And the other thing I didn't see, the other thing I didn't see is I, I don't know where Ontario lined up. You know, did he line up 35, 40 yards deep and, and, a lot, and basically invite him to kick the ball over his head or, or what? He tried to make the fair catch. I don't even know if it would have been an acceptable fair catch signal. And then it just barely went off of his fingers. The other part, and and I'm not saying that you would be, any of us would be smart enough to do this at the time, but the other part is don't act like you touched it. You know, just run away from it, you know, and try to sell it. Well, Lord knows the ACC would have reviewed that and it would have taken nine minutes because they review everything else, Keith. So I'm, I'm not saying it would work. I'm just saying and I'm, and I'm acknowledging you'd have to be very, very, very quick uh, to do that. But in retrospect, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'd have to go back. That was going to be my next question to you. Did he, did he line up at an appropriate distance? I, I think the punter just crushed it. And there wasn't a strong wind, but that would have been into the wind a little bit. And again, it was more of a breeze. I don't think I could call it a wind down there. But anyway, so back to the point you made at the top. We can, we can pick any one play like we just did, or we can point to a lot of little plays. So on that drive, even after that, Florida takes over at the FSU 33, and with a holding and a, with a sack in there, holding was declined. It's third and 21 at the 44. So third and 21 at the 44, and Ontario Wilson has nothing to do with the two missed tackles on that play that allows Florida to convert and ultimately score a touchdown. So, yes, the muff punt was big. That's, to me – that was the most significant defensive play of the game, probably even more significant than the the long pass on the first drive. Agreed. And conversely became a huge play for Florida offensively. That's where we're, where the, we talked about the momentum, you know, a little bit in the first half, but we're, that's where the momentum completely changed uh, when they converted that long third down. So it goes to 17, seven, the ensuing drive, Florida State completes an out for nine yards. And then the next one is the next pass is the one that was picked off. 
Only the right. second interception Jordan Travis has thrown in like the last six or seven weeks. Keith, I heard a lot of conversation that the ball hit the ground. I couldn't tell looking at the scoreboard there. Uh, obviously, they didn't overturn it when they reviewed it. Did what did you think was was it a legitimate? Uh, there wasn't pick? enough to. There was not enough to overturn it. That that if, was the problem. If it had been called incomplete, they would have left it incomplete. Probably yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is where it gets interesting. And I, I Keith, watching on TV, I don't know that you picked this up. So Florida drives again. And we switch to the fourth quarter. And the first play of the fourth quarter is, is the play in which the Florida running back loses. He runs from the, the ball. is It's first and 10 at the 12-and-a-half-yard line. He runs into the end zone but loses his helmet at the four. And that's where there's offsetting. Well, they weren't really offsetting penalties, but that's where there's penalties on each team. Are you aware of how they messed up the downs in this situation? No, they did not mess up the downs. Florida State's last penalty was a defensive penalty and gave them a first down. But here's where they messed it up. Okay, so I'm going to walk through this because I was standing right there. The penalty on the Florida back took it to the 19. They took it halfway on the Jamie Robinson penalty. So now it was first and goal at the nine-and-a-half-yard line. But the officials left the sticks up at the two-and-a-half-yard line from the previous first down play. So Florida now runs first down, second down, and on third down, they get the ball to the two-and-a-half-yard line, and the ref singles signals first down. So on TV, it looks like Florida's going for it on fourth and goal at the two-and-a-half or three. On the field, it was first and goal, which is why they ran it. So my point is, if they had, not, if they had gotten the yard marker straight, now maybe Florida's interim coach with nothing to lose would have gone for it on fourth and three. I'm pretty sure at that point, up 17-7 with all the momentum in the world, fourth and three, they kicked the field goal, and it's 20-7. to seven And do the math on what the final score was and how significant that screw-up was, Keith. I did not see that. That was not reflected on anything. I was making the comment because the official did come on and remind the crowd that Florida State's penalty had created the first down. This is the first time hearing or seeing about a mistake with the so, yardage markers. I'm, I'm going to ask for our listeners' help on this. So I think what happened is FSU knew something was not right, so they asked the refs to clarify. And after the first down from the nine and a half, which was subsequent to the Jamie Robinson penalty, that's when the ref came on and clarified and said, hey, it's second down, everybody. Well, they had the down right. The problem was they never dropped the sticks from the original play of the fourth quarter when it was first and goal at the 12-and-a-half-yard line. So the sticks on both sides of the field stayed up at the two-and-a-half. And if you watch the game, and I did it on the bus ride back, folks, listeners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your help on this because I'm not savvy enough to go get screen grabs and show this. But after the third down run where the ball gets to about the two-and-a-half or the three, you can see Stuart Mullins, the referee, in the right corner of the screen, signal first down. And if you look to the top left corner, the, the sticks are now down. So on the field, it became first and goal. Now, I realize on TV it showed it as fourth and goal. I don't know what the scoreboard at the Swamp showed, and I don't know what the play-by-play officially from the game shows, but I know that Florida got two first down, got a first down by going seven yards. That happened, in the, that happened in that football game. Again, maybe they go for it on fourth and three. Certainly the defense opened up, leaked like a sieve, and it was an easy touchdown. Maybe they call the same thing on fourth down. That's not why Florida State lost the game, uh, but it didn't help. <laughs> no, not at all. And as find, I said, find, this is find the first it on your time. DVR. Yeah. yeah, and listeners, uh, find the screen grabs. Go back and watch it. 
you can at me at, 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 on Twitter. Uh, I should know my Twitter handle. What is it at Tom underscore block? Maybe I should be able to check that while we're talking. Go ahead, Keith. No, I was just going to say, this is the first time hearing of that. And, and again, I'm with you. I'm not saying that it makes a, a difference, a huge difference in the ball game, but if they do settle for three instead of seven, that certainly changes the complexion of the last minutes of the ball game, doesn't it? It definitely does. And by the way, it's at underscore Tom Block. You'd think I'd know my own Twitter handle. Um, anyway, it was it was just a bizarre scenario there. Uh, again, Florida's whole coaching staff is a lame duck coaching staff. Maybe they go for it fourth and three anyway, and, and this is a moot point. So uh, maybe they thought it was fourth and goal. Maybe they had it wrong too and didn't even realize. But but it was on the Florida side of the field based on the third down play where you could see the ref signal first down. So I'm assuming Florida saw that. And in their mind, they had first down. Anyway, then from there, FSU, I don't, I don't know what we can say about the fourth quarter, Keith, except that the same thing that we've said all year long, FSU fights and fights and fights to the finish. And they got 14 points back through two drives. Travis was really gutty, gutsy, picked the word, had some scrambles in there. I'm sure Florida probably played a little softer defensively. I don't know if you could see that on TV, Keith. They were they went they were rushing three and dropping eight most of the time. You know, sometimes four and seven. So they changed their defense. I mean, that's a legitimate point uh, to make there. But still, FSU fights and gets it to 24-21. It took about three hours based on all the reviews over that last drive. <laughs> well, there were 21 or 22 penalties in the ball game. Uh, between the two and obviously it was a very um, I guess the the young people call it a chippy game a a lot of verbal uh, there were some extreme uh, absences of maturity on Florida State's part um, that unfortunately showed up on television but did not show up in in a in terms of a penalty and so that was a little bit disconcerting but, um, again, not suggesting by any stretch that any of that had anything to do with the ultimate outcome of the ball game. It was just part and parcel of what the ball game was. I think that was Mike Norvell's biggest disappointment, probably. When he, when he met the media afterwards, he talked about, I don't know if he used the term uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic, but he referenced the fact that his team lost its composure a little bit, and I know he wasn't happy about that. That's, and, and it's not something that they've really done this year. So the rivalry game got the best of some of them at times. And it did it both for, I mean, let's, let's step back a little bit. I know it's a rivalry, Keith. It was a pair of five and six teams and they were both out there chippy with one another fighting over it. It wasn't like this was the nineties and you had both teams 11 and zero, and the winners going to the national championship game. So on the one hand, it was silly. On the other hand, that's what makes a rivalry a rivalry. Well, uh, exactly. And, and, and we talked about on our Wednesday show, you know, most of these kids either played with or against the other kids, a vast majority of them. Uh, they've got to go home. They've got to uh, see each other over breaks over the summer. Um, they've got to interact and, and bragging rights and all that goes with it uh, is just part of what being a college athlete is all about. But you've got to be able to maintain your composure. Uh, and that's a, as much a learned behavior as anything. And you've got to focus on it, pay attention to it, or it gets away from you. So no bowl game for Florida State. The season comes to an end. I guess, I mean, we started by talking about the onside kick. Keith, onside kicks, I don't even know what the percentage is. But based on the fact that Florida State already recovered one earlier this year against NC State, 
and that I watched NC State recover one on Friday night against North Carolina, the the odds that Florida State was going to recover that were were pretty much slim and none. Nevertheless, you'd you'd like to actually hit the football and execute. You would, uh, but I, to me, that's it's it's more in the bucket of the end of the Clemson game when the score changed. At that point, the game had been decided. I, I know people will disagree because yes, you could recover it, and then you've got twenty five seconds or whatever from midfield. But but alas, I think I think Florida played the Florida's a little bit better football team right now. I think we knew that at the start of the year, we we would have said they were a lot better football program than FSU. To me, that gap is narrowed, and so I think that's the takeaway from this season. They did get better each and every week this this season, Keith. They did, and and what impressed me as much as anything, uh, and and this is is not a moral victory. It's it's part of the foundation build is that Florida State came out, scored, you know, on two of the last three possessions to make the game tight, uh, had an opportunity, had an opportunity to try to make, make something unusual happen to, to potentially win the ball game. And uh, there have been times over the last few years when, you know, the game was over by halftime or halfway through the third quarter. Uh, that's not been the case under Mike Norvell, and that is foundation building to me. Yeah, I agree. And there's going to be some some folks that we really need to remember fondly, most notably the two defensive ends on this team, particularly Jermaine Johnson. But I think it sells Keir Thomas a little short because he left it all out there on the field, too, for all 12 games. And and, and hopefully, and, and I think it did, they had an influence on the culture overall by everybody just working it, looking at how selfless those two were and how hard they worked each and every week and each and every game. You know, I was reading up on some stuff. Uh about the transfer portal, because you and I have talked about that and, and the fact that, uh, you know, Florida State's probably going to have to go that route again this year for some some particular positional help. Um, I don't know that anybody that I've paid much attention to has been has benefited more from kids in the portal coming to an institution than Florida State has, particularly with those two and, uh, and Mackenzie Milton. Now, again, Milton didn't have great statistics. Uh, you know, I hate the fact that his last collegiate attempt, I guess, I guess that was his last one, uh, is going to be an interception with all that he's been through. But I guarantee you, Jordan Travis would not be where he's at right now as a player if Mackenzie Milton is not right on his hip helping him since he showed up in Tallahassee. And, and there are others. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm not a fan of the transfer portal. I've heard numbers, by the way, as many as 70, you know, you and I talked about about 40% of the kids didn't get out of the portal. I read another article said it's 72%, 72%. And this year there were 2,501 kids that went into the portal. It resets coming up here sometime. Um, but FSU has benefited from it. And those two in particular, here, Thomas and Jermaine Johnson, uh, have very much aided Florida State, and, and Florida State has aided them, giving them an opportunity to showcase their skills. I'm looking at the post-game notes from Florida State Sports Info. So Jermaine Johnson had six tackles, including a sack, which is his, was his 12th of the year. He leads the ACC in sacks, and that's ninth on the FSU single-season list, tied with uh, one of your teammates, Ron Simmons from 1977 and Jamal Reynolds in 2000. So it was and, and, and sacks are a little harder to come by right now. No disrespect to Ron, but it's a little different game than when Peter Bulware and Reynard Wilson were each getting 16 or 18 or 19 sacks. So 
Uh, it was it was a great effort from him. Some of the other things I mentioned, Jamie Robinson had 18 tackles. That's a, that's just a huge number. Eighth straight game with an interception, Keith. Florida State hasn't done that since 03-04, and they had three picks. I think they finished the year with uh, 14 interceptions, but 12 of them were over the last eight games and maybe even the last six games. But but either way, they only had two through the first four games, I believe. But that that was an impressive finish for Adam Fuller's team. Uh, who was around the football. You can say what you want about the, the opposing quarterback and uh, maybe he put a few up for grabs. And then, then here's one we haven't talked about, Keith, that much, not, certainly not today. FSU finishes the year having scored on 32 consecutive red zone trips. I mean, that's, that's pretty good for what the parts are on Florida State's offense. The, the line is not where it needs to be. The receiving core is not. The tight ends are not. Really, I don't know if any position is. 32 straight in the red zone, that's pretty good. Well, another thing, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but the split between touchdowns and field goals, it wasn't like they kicked 27 field goals and only scored five touchdowns either. No, well, it was touchdowns today, uh, three of them, you know. Right. Three for three on their trips, yeah. Yeah, their touchdown percentage ranks really high. Uh, That might be most of the notes that I'm looking at. Uh, Master Mono finishes the year without a touchback, by the way, so still only one in his two-year career. FSU needs to get better. Mike Norvell said that uh, he and others will be flying out at six in the morning to hit the road and go recruiting. So that's what's next to try and turn things over. They're going to be hard pressed to find uh, two, two impact players as, as, uh, as good as what four and 11 were. But, you know, a year ago at this time, we didn't know that four and 11 were going to be on the roster. So who knows what they'll find out there. I do think they need to find a couple of offensive linemen as well, even though they've got five or six or seven in their signing class. Freshmen aren't going to come in and play and be difference makers. I think they do need to try and find, uh, you know, two more that are at least Dylan's caliber or guys that can take snaps for you out there. Guys that you can count on. You know, you don't have to uh, watch them develop. They come in ready to go. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know what other thoughts I have, Keith. It was uh, looking back. I think I knew it in the moment. I think most of us did when Jacksonville State crossed the goal line uh, as time expired. I think most of us knew it was going to be hard to get to six. The up the upside, meaning bowl eligible, the upside is there was a period where, where many were not certain that Florida State was going to get to three or four or five. Uh, and, and, and that goes back to the fight and the effort and attention to detail and just leaving everything on the field that this team did. And you got to win over Miami. Almost got one over Florida. I won't say should have had one because I don't think that's true based on the way they played, but could have had one. I, I didn't walk out of there thinking that Florida was light years above FSU. I thought they were better, but I didn't think they were it, – it wasn't Alabama better. Not at all. Rival. And, and, and Florida is going to go through another transition uh, because that, that squad that beat Florida State down there on Saturday uh, was playing with a lot more emotional emotion that, than they'll probably have when the new – coach is is hired and brought in and um you know that goes a long way particularly in your last ball game of the year um it'll be interesting to see how that plays out obviously rumors are swirling and names are being talked about um i even heard during the ball game and, and by the way i don't usually comment on things like this and and and, and mark jones i've got a great deal of respect for but the commentary on this ball game deteriorated to the point that it was unlistenable. Uh, both Mark and RG3 started making comments and started getting into things that were completely unprofessional. 
I was very disappointed in quote unquote their performance, uh, but nobody cares. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Florida program once the new coach comes in, the staff takes, takes over, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it should be happening rather quickly. I have every reason to believe they're going to name a new head coach within the next week or 10 days. Yeah, probably might be with sooner than that. And and I think Miami's probably still going to make a change too. So it'll be a fast and furious finish to the uh, early signing date, which is whatever the Wednesday is, mid-December, maybe December 15th, if that's a Wednesday. I'm not looking at a calendar, something like that. Keith, I think we, we've done all we can do on this. Folks, hope you've enjoyed the the post-game editions of these shows. Our regular show is each and every Wednesday at 12 noon on uh, Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Would you like a final word, sir? I'd like to pay some bills if you'll let me. Oh, I forgot that we need to do that. How could I forget <laughs> that? That's the most important thing. It's been a long day, uh, Keith. I, I left understand, my house at Tom. 6.30 this morning. I understand. <laughs> I'm going to go back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate uh, – what you mentioned about the the unbelievable tackle total for Jamie Robinson finishes, as you said, with 18 uh, tackles, one and a half tackles for a loss. He did get beat on that one touchdown pass, but he came back and had an interception, which by the way, he returned 28 yards. So he's our Hobson Chevrolet defensive player of the game. Get your next car, new or used up in Cairo, Georgia, get it. The new car, the Hobson way. There's good folks up there. If you're in the mood, uh, in the need uh, for a vehicle, and then uh, for our prime meridian performance of the game, probably nothing uh, unusual here, but I'm going to salute Jordan Travis. He finishes the game with 102 yards on the ground. Uh, he was 18 of 29 through the air, for also for 202 t- yards, so 304 yards total. Uh, he was a gutty performer, as you mentioned, went out of the ball game a couple of times, came back in, and very nearly uh, got Florida State close enough to at least get an opportunity. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name, smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? Well, that's what I call a great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC. And try the cookies when you get to Prime Meridian Bank as well. Yeah, and if you if you want they'll give you two just tell them kj said it's okay well i don't need that to keep i don't need to keep that in my back pocket uh, because I, I don't really need the one but but it is it is good it's definitely an investment in some calories though uh we appreciate prime meridian and hops and chevrolet they've been with us for a for a long time uh keith we've been together a long time and i guess we'll do this again on wednesday we'll we'll turn the page on on the football season and see where it goes from here uh, it'll be interesting as we get ready for uh, the early signing period, which you and I were behind the sticks on that one because we continue to think February would end up being the big date, but we were wrong on that. And uh, it'll be another couple of weeks, but uh, there'll be some more news on Florida State from a football standpoint as we get into that period. Exactly right. All right. Until Wednesday, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.